today's scripture reading is from Lamentations 3, verses 19 through 26. I remember my affliction and the wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Good morning, friends. I'm Pastor Nancy, and I am grateful to be here with you this morning to share this message. Well, 2021 has already been quite the roller coaster of a year, and I'm not saying that in a fond way. Even this week, we saw the House of Representatives impeach the president after inciting violence at the Capitol. Those scenes were quite a sight to behold. They left me feeling sad angry, frustrated, confused. And this all comes after the, the roller coaster and difficulty that 2020 was, a pandemic that drastically altered our way of life, businesses closing, employees without jobs, political divisions that divided friends and, and caused more unrest, racial divisions, that caused hurt and revealed pain. Just so much divisiveness and brokenness around us. Some days it has just felt like too much. Actually, one of my favorite memes that I've seen circling around the last few weeks, I want to share that with you. I'd like to cancel my subscription to 2021. I've experienced the free seven-day trial and I'm not interested. I wonder if you've been feeling the same, maybe feeling sad, angry, frustrated, confused. Who do we listen to? Who do we trust? Where do we turn? What is the truth? I also wonder if we've seen signs of hope during this time. The pandemic brought us closer to our family members that we live with slowed us down. Businesses have evolved and learned new ways to reach their customer base. Racial tensions have opened up conversations, revealing the pain and hurt, conversations that have needed to happen for a long time. And the political divisions, well, maybe they've showed us that we need to turn back to the true King, Jesus and trust his ways. It could be too that you're still just sitting in the confusion, in the frustration, feeling hurt or lost. Friends, it's okay to name what we're feeling, what we're sensing in our body, in our heart, in our mind, to sense what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And so we come Today, perhaps with unsettled hearts, we come to the word of God and a hope 
that only he can bring. We're continuing in our series, All Shall Be Well. This title comes from the writings of Julian of Norwich, and and I must confess, I had not heard of her before we started preparing this series. But I find similarities of situations that we're facing, life that's been altered, and she points us back to God with uh, his love and hope, a love that only he can bring. Julian of Norwich lived in the Middle Ages, and she experienced the first and second waves of the Black Death in England. She stayed isolated, and she had visions of God's love. One of the quotes that really struck me as I was preparing today says this. She says, each trial, every loss is an opportunity for you to meet suffering with love and make of it an offering, a prayer. The minute you lift your pain like a candle, the darkness vanishes and mercy comes rushing in to heal you. This sentiment meets us in our passage today from Lamentations 3, 19 through 26. Now, Lamentations is a book full of lament, a pouring out to God about every trial, every loss. It's a a poetic book. Lament is defined this way, a passionate expression of grief or sorrow to feel loss or regret often expressed in a physical way. So here in the Old Testament, Why is there a book full of these lamentations, full of these expressions of grief to God? Now, this book is usually attributed to Jeremiah as the author around the 6th century BC. And at this time, there was a deep and irreversible disruption in the life of ancient Israel. Due to Israel's unfaithfulness, God had allowed the kingdom to be divided and conquered by other nations. There was the power struggles of the Assyrians, the Babylonian rise and fall, and the capture by Persian power. Everything the citizens of Jerusalem held dear was taken away from them. The Davidic dynasty under the rule of David and Solomon was nullified. The city of Jerusalem, the focus of God's promise to Israel was destroyed. And the temple, the place of God's very presence where they met with him and worshiped with him, it was demolished. It was gone. The signs and symbols of of God's faithfulness, of his presence with them, and his signs and presence were gone, and his community of people were dispersed. There was this profound sense of loss, isolation, division, displacement, and it caused them to question their faith. It caused them to question God. Hmm a deep sense of loss, isolation, division, displacement. 
I wonder if that resonates with us today. And as the Israelites pondered all of this, they questioned, is God powerful? Is God faithful? How do we hope in God in this unknown space of life? How will we move past this? What will life look like after exile? These are the very same questions we may be asking today as we feel this deep sense of loss, isolation, division, and displacement. This time of life for the Israelites, this sense of disorder filled every aspect of life. And in a way to voice their truth um, and to voice what was happening in their lives, to call upon God, they would practice lament, this practice of calling out what was troubling in their life and to call directly upon God. Lament brings to speech this sense of of loss and exile that they were feeling inside. So we see this many ways over as we read the book of Lamentations. I pulled out just a few from just the first book of Lamentations. In verse three, after affliction and harsh labor, Judah has gone into exile. 11, all her people groan as they search for bread, as they barter their treasures for food to keep themselves alive. This is why I weep and my eyes overflow with tears. No one is near to comfort me. No one to restore my spirit. Those are deep senses of loss. An interesting note I discovered about the book of Lamentations. It's five chapters, five books put together of of poetry. And four of the five books are acrostic, which means it flows. Each line starts with a letter of the Greek alphabet. So they literally are giving an A to Z list to God of all of their struggles and frustrations and sense of loss. They are pouring out all of their grief to God. And so we come this morning to Lamentations 3, 19. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them. And my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Friends, if you're one that circles or underlines in your Bible, circle this yet. What was said before is true, but yet here come the promises of God. Because of the Lord's great, great love, we are not consumed for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The New King James Version says it this way. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. And the New Living Translation says it like this. The faithful love of the Lord never 
ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. This is the unchanging truth of God. God is love and his mercy never ceases. Jesus is the ultimate act of this mercy and love, of compassion and forgiveness. He addresses it in the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5, 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. And he teaches his disciples about that in the parable of the unmerciful servant in Matthew 18. He says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts. He called in a servant who owed him a great deal of money. And the servant begged for mercy because he didn't have the funds to pay this. And the king had compassion on him. The king showed him mercy and forgave him of his debts, cleared them out and sent him out. And this servant, as he went out, he saw a fellow servant who owed him a small amount of money. And he said, you give me my money. And he started choking him and demanding what was his. He didn't show him any mercy, even though he had just received great mercy. And those around him saw this and they went, went back to the master and told him all that had happened. And he said this. You wicked servant, I canceled all of the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Friends, mercy isn't something that we receive and keep just to ourselves. Just as God's love isn't something we receive and keep just to ourselves. Listen to this again. Mercy isn't something we receive just for ourselves. No, Jesus laid down his life as an act of mercy, compassion, and love so that we might be made alive in him. Ephesians 2 reminds us of this. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were deserving of wrath. Just like the rest of the Israelites who turned from God, where he allowed the Israelites to be captured and experience this profound sense of loss, isolation, division, and displacement. Just like that. And in verse four, he says, but again, circle this, but what before is true, but here come the promises of God. 
He says, but because his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace we have been saved. Friends, sisters and brothers, this is a promise for us too. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, through his merciful love, he made you and I alive in Christ, even when we did things our own way. Even when we complain about the pandemic, altering our way of life and inconveniencing us. Even when we place our own rights and perceived needs over and against another person's. Even when we follow a place, follow or place a person or political ideology higher than Jesus. When we point fingers cast blame, and push further division. When we claim the name of Jesus and wave flags with his name as some sort of Christian nationalism, but don't practice merciful love. When we center our experience as the only correct way of being in the world and diminish those who are different or other than us. When we deny the very real pain an experience of a whole group of people based on the color of their skin. It is through grace, through merciful love that we have been saved. And this is something we don't just keep for ourselves. We humbly receive it from God and then we lavishly pour it out to those around us. It is through grace we are saved. As we find ourselves here today caught with the actions of the past few weeks and the the pain and the hurt of the past year and the hope that God has for us, I find myself also turning to the words of Dr. Martin Luther King whom we celebrate tomorrow. From his 1957 work, The Role of the Church in Facing the Nation's Chief Moral Dilemma, he penned these words, which might be just as true today. He said, But the end is reconciliation. The end is redemption. The end is the creation of the beloved community. It is this type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. The type of love that I stress here is not Eros, a sort of aesthetic or romantic love, not Philia, a sort of reciprocal love between personal friends, but it is agape, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It is an overflowing love which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in the lives of men and women. 
This is the love that may well be the salvation of our civilization. Merciful love. Because of the Lord's great compassion, we are not consumed. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion and I will wait on him. I come back to the quote from Julian of Norwich. Each trial, every loss is an opportunity for you to meet suffering with love and make it an offering, a prayer, a lamentation. The minute you lift your pain like a candle, the darkness vanishes and mercy, God's merciful love comes rushing in to heal you. As we move forward in these days, may our hope be found in God's merciful love. May we receive it and may we pour it out lavishly to those around us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we come before you. We come in this space and tradition of lament. We pour out to you our loss, our grief, our isolation, our discouragement, our disbursement. God, help us to turn away from what is not of you. Help us to turn towards you. Help us to turn our eyes to see your reality. Give us boldness to proclaim your name. Give us humbleness to receive your merciful love. And give us strength to pour out your merciful love to all around us. God, meet us in this space of uncertainty as we hold tight to that yet. As we hold tight and turn to you, our promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.